said it, Brother Gravely, or at least I told him I did. <laughs> I came down here, and he's, he's thrown me for a loop this evening. I wasn't planning on preaching this evening. He came back, and uh, I told him, I said, you have fallen out of favor with me greatly since I've been here, praise the Lord. But it's a joy to be here. Thank God for the good preaching, Brother Hewitt. And what a blessing it is. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter number 5. 2 Chronicles, chapter number 5. I'm going to start reading in verse number 1 for the reading of the Word of God this evening. Trust the Lord will help us for just a few minutes today. 2 Chronicles, chapter number 5. You find the context of the Scripture. Solomon has built the house of God. The vision that David, his father, had had that God wouldn't let him build it, but he allowed Solomon to see it completed. And here we find in verse number 1, the Bible said, Thus all the work of Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David, his father, had dedicated, and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all of the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto Jerusalem, to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark. And they brought up the ark and the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, these did the priests and the Levites bring up. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. And the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place to the oracle of the house into the most holy place even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their wings over the place of the ark and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. For the sake of time, skip to verse 11. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified, and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them an hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. And it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the cloud, the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this evening. Lord, we ask you to help us now for just a few minutes. Lord, without your touch, all will be in vain this evening. Lord, thank you for this meeting. I pray you'd bless each one that's come this way. And Lord, be with us. Speak to us now, I pray, through the Word of God. And Father, we'll give you praise, honor, and glory. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray and we ask it. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In the scene 
we find the dedication of the house of God. In the scene that I've read, there's been a lot of things that has taken place to bring them to the point that they're at. There's been a lot of work put in. There's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Started with the vision, of course, of David to build the house of God and then through his son Solomon is now seeing the completion of it. It started on the uh, mountaintops of Syria there when the Zidonians and those men that Solomon sent there cut down the cedars of Lebanon and they brought those majestic trees down to Jerusalem to be used in the house of God. There's been a lot of... Uh, things that have been given to the work of God. The Bible talked about all the people had done. You find here in the Scripture, the Bible said they sacrificed, the people did, uh, so much that it could not be numbered. And here they are at the house of God at its completion. The Bible said they're all there, they're assembled there. The Levites, they've got the Ark of the Covenant, they've got everything there, and they get the singers all in line. They get all the musicians in order. And all of a sudden they begin to sing praises unto God. Up there it said this. They begin to sing and play the instruments of music and praise the Lord saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. And as they begin to sing, something very mysterious happened in the house of God. The Bible said as they begin to sing and they begin to praise that suddenly the house was filled with a cloud. The Bible said it was such, and of course we know it to be the glory, the Shekinah glory of God filled the house. The Bible said that it was so that the priests could not even stand to minister in the house of God. I'm old enough that down through the years I've been blessed a few times to be in the house of God when the cloud showed up. I wish it was every time that we came that it was like that. But I have been, uh, a, a few times I have been in the house of God when the presence of God came in such a powerful way that you left there knowing you'd never be the same again. I began to think about in this scene we see the atmosphere change in the house of God. I mean, they're just singing and all of a sudden God changes the atmosphere. He brought the cloud. I got to thinking, I I travel a lot, I preach a lot in a lot of churches, and there's one thing today that's needed among our churches in many places is the atmosphere needs to be changed. Now, we can try to do it ourselves, but the fact of the matter is, without the touch of God and without the presence of God, everything will do. Listen, we can sing, and I love good singing. I love good instrument playing. But the fact of the matter is there's just something different about it when the Holy Ghost shows up and begins to touch it. Hallelujah to His name. Brother Gravely asked me to come and preach and I, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little different. I'm a little, I think, weird. I, I just, I'm illustrative. I can't help it. It's part of who I am. And I won't apologize for that if it ain't exactly your cup of tea. But I, he asked me to come. I got to thinking about this. I was one day thinking about the atmosphere being changed. And God showed me a practical illustration for a heavenly truth. And I said, uh, I believe I'll bring it. As a matter of fact, I brought it with me today. And I wanted to show you something about the atmosphere being changed. Uh, I brought something today here. Everybody here will know what I've got in my hand 
when, when I hold it up, I'll turn it around here so you can see it. This is a thermometer like you hang out on the front porch. Or you can put it out, uh, you know, out beside the driveway or maybe out beside the window where you can look out. And it'll tell you exactly what the temperature is in the building. Matter of fact, this says it's right now 78 degrees in here. And I thought, it's a good thing God lets me preach this message because I get to take my own thermometer to church with me. And in some churches I preach in, that's a good thing to have because it might keep you from freezing to death while you're there. I mean, you might, you might, you might not end up with frostbite if you can see that it's getting to the dangerous level if you've got your own thermometer with you. I got to thinking about this thermometer. It has diagnosed the atmosphere in this building tonight. It can tell me what the temperature is. But do you realize this thermometer don't have any ability to change the atmosphere? It can tell me what it is, but it can't change it. Our pews are filled with people just like this. They can tell you how the church is. They can tell you what's wrong with the choir. They can tell you what's wrong with the Sunday school teacher. They can tell you all the problems. Sometimes they can even tell you the good. But the fact of the matter is, ain't none of them doing anything to try to change the atmosphere at the house of God. I don't know about you. I don't want to be just one that diagnoses it. But I want to be the one that I say, God, if you can use me in some way, help me to be an instrument, a vessel, to be able to change the atmosphere at the house of God. I brought something else with me today. I preach out of the Bible, but every now and then when you get desperate, you'll go to Home Depot. I'm glad every message I preach ain't like this because this one cost me $40. Amen. But I got something else here, if you can see it. I hold it up here where you can see it. This will also tell you the temperature on it. But it's a much different thing. Matter of fact, there's some of them hanging on the walls in here right now. This is a thermometer, but this is a thermostat. I said this one can tell you how it is, and this one can too. But the difference between these two, this one has the ability to go to working to change the atmosphere in the house of God. Well, I don't know about you if I've got to be one of these. If I've got to be one of these at the house of God, I don't want to just be one that can tell everybody how it was. Well, the service was dry today. The singing was uninspired. Nobody said amen. Nobody went to the altar. Amen. I don't want to be one that can just tell you. But I want to be one that says, by the grace of God, Lord, help me find my place that I can be used, hallelujah, to change the atmosphere at the house of God. You see, the cloud came in this story after the people had done God's pleasure. When God's pleased with it, He's just liable to let the cloud show up. Amen. I thought about this. You say, preacher, what is it about these? I'll give you these real quick and I'll be through today. Number one, there's the connection issue of these two. One of them is hooked up. I mean, it's hooked up to the power. The other one just hangs around. Our churches have got a lot of folks in them that just hang around. 
they're not really hooked in real good. They're not. You see, think about this. This fellow can hang around here a while, and then he can go hang around somewhere else a while. But you notice these fellows on the wall here? They've been here ever since the building was built, and they'll be here as long as the building's here. Amen. Thank God for some people that said, I'm going to hook in to the work of God. I want to be one that can help change the atmosphere at the house of God. Amen. There's a lot. A lot of folks just need to get hooked up to the power. You see, them old boys on the wall over there, they're hooked up to something you can't even see. Something a lot bigger than what this one's hooked up to. Can I say to you, I don't know about you, but I like it when we get hooked up with God and the connection, the power of God comes. I promise you this, Solomon was hooked up and God said, I'm going to show you how pleased I am. He said, I'm going to change the atmosphere. And the Bible said it got so thick they couldn't hardly even stand to minister. Amen. I'll tell you what this church needs. I'll tell you what all of our churches need. I'll tell you what our country needs. I'll tell you what our communities need. Need somebody that'll say, God, use me as an instrument to help change the atmosphere. Atmosphere. Hallelujah to His name. There's the connection issue. And then there's the contact issue of these two. This one has some buttons on it. I've got one of these in my house. I own the house. And sometimes I'm at home and it gets a little cold and I don't like the atmosphere. Then the owner gets up. Walks over, and I go to pushing the buttons on it. Y'all a little slow down here in Georgia. Some of y'all going to catch up after a while. I said, the one who owns it controls it. And every now and then, the owner likes to push your buttons. I like it when God begins to push the buttons of my heart. And boy, I tell you, you know what this old boy does when God goes to touching it? He starts responding. Hallelujah to his name. I don't you, listen, you can touch one of these all day long and they ain't gonna do nothing but just stand there. Look at you. But thank God for them little saints in the pews that every now and then the Holy Ghost goes to touching their heart and pushing the buttons of their heart. Hallelujah to his name. I've been pastoring there in the church where I'm at. I'll be going on twenty five years in one place. And uh, I got some of the givenest people that's ever been on this planet, just common folk, yes, country folk. Brother Gravely, you've been to our church, yes. sits down by the creek. Right. We walk straight out of the church and baptize in the creek. Yes. Our baptistry runs 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. But I try my best not to get them saved in the wintertime. If, if, God, if, if God's just set on saving one in December, I just say, God, well, I hope you'll help me to wait till it warms up so we can baptize them a little bit. It's rough being a mountain preacher. <laughs> but I thought about this. I said, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, up there at the church. I'm all the time taking up money to help people or do something. It seems like, as a pastor, you know what it's like, preacher? Sometimes you feel like you've moneyed them to death and you feel like I can't ask them to take another offering for this and one Sunday last year, I'd gotten word a preacher friend of ours up in Elkview, West Virginia. Some of y'all remember the flooding that took place up there. There's a good man of God up there, Brother Lee Swore in the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. 
and their people got affected greatly by the flooding. It was on Saturday night that I heard this. They lost their church building, had no flood insurance. They lost their Christian school, messed, got messed up, everything. And I knew it was devastating for them. And I, I said, I don't know if we can do anything right now or not. Just didn't feel like we could. And that morning I got up in front of our people and I said, Folks, I said, I don't know if you've heard the news about the flooding up there in West Virginia, but I said, there's some good people up there that love God. I said, I've preached up there and I said, I don't know what the Lord wants us to do for West Virginia. But I said, let's just pray about what God would have us to do. I didn't tell them we was going to take an offering. I didn't say anything because I didn't really feel like I could at that time. I came After I preached that Sunday morning, I was standing there shaking hands and there was a young man in our church, one of the quietest young men in our church. You'll never hear anything out of him. Got a little wife, a little family, two little children, and uh, just a top-notch young man. He walked up to me, shook my hand, and stuck something in my hand. And when he stuck it in my hand, I, I looked at it, and it was a note. I thought, what, what in the world's going on? Why is he bringing me a note today? And this is what the note said. Matter of fact, I later looked, and behind the note was a check. And this is a little family, just poor people. Don't have a lot of money. Probably this was a sacrifice for them to do it. But this is what the note said from this little saint of God that was hooked up. He said, Pastor, I just want you to know that I love you. And he said, I don't know what God wants you to do for West Virginia. But I know what God wants me to do. And I looked and there was a thousand dollar check from a little family that probably didn't have a thousand dollars extra to spare. But you know the reason he done it is because the Holy Ghost began to push his buttons. And the Holy Ghost said, go ahead, boy. It'll be all right. Thank God for some people, amen, that ever now and then, they don't resist it when God goes to pushing the buttons. But they say, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'm trusting you to take care of it. Hallelujah to his name. There's a connection issue. He's hooked up. Number two, every now and then, the, the one that owns him pushes his buttons. And then there's the conversation issue of these two. Sometimes when I get to go home and I don't get to do it much, but if I get there, sometimes I just like to sit in the quietness of my living room in my easy chair. And I'll be sitting there and all of a sudden, just quiet, nothing going on. And I'll hear a little clicking noise over on the wall. And when I hear that clicking noise, I then begin to notice that the atmosphere starts changing. In other words, this old boy kicks in. I don't know about you, but your church needs some people in the pews. When it starts getting a little cold, they can kick in. I mean, there needs to be somebody that whenever the atmosphere is not what it needs to be, they'll say, by the help of God, I'm hooked in here, I'm staying here, and help me, Lord, to kick in and help the preacher. Hallelujah. I heard uh, Brother Ron Martin, Sister Kyla Rowland's brother. Ron, a great singer, and Miss Kyla is probably the greatest songwriter of our generation I think she's wrote over 6,000 songs, if I'm not mistaken. Brother Ron told this. They were raised by an old Baptist preacher daddy and a praying mama. And this is what Brother Ron 
said, he was up there at our camp meeting, he was a testifying. He said, I remember a service. He said, Daddy just pastored little old Baptist churches, little country churches. And said, Daddy was up a preaching one night, struggling something terrible. Said it was bad. Said he couldn't get no liberty. Said he just struggling, floundering around. Don't you preachers look at me spiritual like you ain't never had it happen to you. Sometimes God lets you do that to knock the pride out of you. Because the most embarrassing thing you'll ever attempt to do is preach when God lets you struggle through it. Because your flesh likes it to go well. Your flesh likes everybody to brag on you. But man, every now and then you get up and you throw up a dud. I mean, it's bad. And this is what I love about it. Even when it's bad, there'll be some little saint of God come out. You know it's bad, and they know it's bad. But they'll grab your hand and say, Preacher, I'll tell you, Lord really used that message today to help my heart. You say they're lying. No. They've determined they're going to pray harder for you. God used them. Get back to what Brother Ron said. He said his daddy was a struggling that night to preach. He said it just the farther he went, the worse it got. He said finally that little praying mama in the pews stood up in the pews and just looked at him, called his name, said, Honey, just shut it down. Just shut it down. Just shut it down. I said, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know when you're struggling you could just shut it down. And then I got upset. The fact that my wife has never loved me enough to rescue me when I was struggling. Instead, mine sat back there and said, look at him. Look at that right there. Hey, everybody, look at him right there. Look at him. But thank God for them people who kick in. I was in a meeting years ago and. North Carolina, I'll not say where. Pretty good, about 150 member church. And I was preaching, everything's going pretty good. I was getting some amens in the crowd. And about a quarter way through the message, all of a sudden a fellow took a shout and spell. I'm talking about somebody was plugged in. He was in the glory. Matter of fact, I was preaching, and I, when he started shouting, I kind of started looking over the crowd trying to figure out where he was at. Because I said, wherever he's at, it's where the spout, where the glory's coming out. And I said, I need to get close to him. But I couldn't never spot him. So I just kept preaching that night. I preached on a little while longer. He struck up again. Had the awful shout and spell you've ever heard in your life. I mean, I'm talking about plugged in. After the service, I was talking to the pastor. And I said, preacher, I said, thank you for letting me come. It's been a blessing to be here. But I said, i got to ask you a question. I said, that man that shouted tonight while I was a preaching, I said, man, he was plugged in. I said, where was he sitting? I never could spot him in the crowd. This is what the preacher said. He said, well, preacher, just to be honest with you, he wasn't here. I said, what do you mean he wasn't here? I said, I heard him shout two or three times while I was a preaching. He said, no. He said, I've got that on tape. And he said, every time you would say... He said, every time you'd say something I liked, I'd nod my head at the sound man and he'd hit play. <laughs> Honest. It happened. It happened. It really happened. 
You say, what did you say, preacher? I said, preacher, is there any way I can get a copy of that tape? I said, I know preachers all over this country that'd like to have that tape. And if we could somehow or another rig up a button on the pulpit when you need it the most, amen. Amen. But thank God, I'm glad we don't have to depend on the tape for our shouting. Thank God there's still some who'll hook in and plug up and have the touch of God on them. Amen. One kicks in. You'll never see this one kick in. It just sits there and looks at you. Amen. I don't know about you. Your church needs you kicking in. Your preacher needs you kicking in. I thought about the contact issue. I thought about the connection issue. Uh, then there's the command issue of these. I'll give you this and I'm about done. You see, this one's got buttons on it. Because what you do with them buttons is you program it. You put something in it. You put in it what you want to put in it. And then after you put it in there, you can walk away and it'll go about doing what you've put in it. That's what your preacher does on Sunday. He's putting something into your life. He's wanting you to be more than just a hearer of the Word, but He's wanting you to be a doer of the Word. I don't know about you, praise God, but I thank God. You see, this is what I like about this preacher. If you put it in this one right here, he'll go about doing it even when everybody else in the house is asleep. Thank God for some people that said, I see preachers all over this country wearing themselves out trying to get a bunch of thermometers, trying to, program, trying to get them to live right, trying to get them to do right. You can you can try you can preach till you're blue in the face. They ain't gonna change. But thank God for them that says, Preacher, give me what the book says. Preacher, give me what God's word says. Preacher, give me something that'll help me, hallelujah, and change my life. I don't know about you. There's the command issue, and finally, not only is there the connection, the contact, the command, the call, the conversation, but then there's the call. Sometimes if I'm sitting there at the house and it starts getting a little cold, I start getting a little cold. I've never heard one of these call out to me, come over here and I'll help you. But I know that if I'm cold, if I'll draw near to this, get close to it, then pretty soon some things will start changing in the atmosphere that I'm in. Do you realize who that lost person on the job is going to migrate to when the troubles of life come? They're not going to migrate to that fella that's just got Sunday morning religion, don't ever go back to the house of God. They're not going to migrate to somebody that's not got no God in their life. But they're going to find that old boy. They said, now didn't you go to that meeting down there where they went three times a day? Didn't you go to that meeting? And he's going to say, well, I tell you, I'm having some real problems. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for my family? I got news for you. This world, we're living in a cold, dark world. And sinners are looking for somebody with something real in their life. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to be one that when they draw it, boy, there's a few times I've been cold myself, but I get around some of them saints of God that had God dripping off of them. Amen. And the next thing you know, the atmosphere begins to change in my own life. Hallelujah. My old daddy's in heaven. 
My old preaching daddy's in heaven, but he, one, of the, one of the verses he loved to quote from the Word of God, where the Word of God says, Iron sharpeneth iron. Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm, I'm glad for the people that I can get around them, Brother Ricky. Yes, sir. Preachers, I can just get around. Yes, Sometimes they don't even have to say a whole lot to you. That's right. Just the influence that they have in their life. Yes. I don't know about you. That day the Bible said that all of a sudden the cloud came. The atmosphere changed. Can I say to you, God can use every one of us as an instrument to bring a change in the atmosphere at the house of God. Father, we thank you for what you've done for us today. Thank you for your word. I pray, God, would you just touch us now.